Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it up. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast. I am your host, Molly Moe. Small Force in here with the fellas, man. Dre, AJ. I see y'all in the chat. Will, Jay Tizzy. I don't know why I said that, but I was feeling I was in a good mood, Jay Tyler. <laughs> I'll too. I see what's going on with you, player. Yeah, it's, it's been a little minute since you caught a live. I'm just gonna administrate the items out of the way right quick before we check in with the game. Um, if you are new or you're just tapping in for the first time catching a live stream, man, make sure you hit that like button, make sure you hit that subscribe button on the YouTube side. We definitely appreciate that. Twitter side, I mean or Twitch side, if you are tapping in for the first time over there, we appreciate that. Make sure you follow um and then on the audio side, man, if you are listening for the first time or you found this podcast, man, you're like, damn, man, these, what did boy, what did boy know that they talk about? What they entertain, boy? I don't know. Give us a rating and review, man. We definitely appreciate that. It's free to do so, man. And the support is always appreciated. On the YouTube side, man, uh, we got some donations from the Jaden Daniels first, first part of his film session. We got another one coming out tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Um, and I appreciate, I think that was Matt. I got to get his name right, but I swear it was Matt and I'm a double check right now. Uh, Lord Jesus. Um, anyway, as I'm doing that and checking for, uh, that man's name, I'm, I, I think it's Matt for sure though. Uh, oh my Lord. I didn't realize how many comments it was. Yep. I knew it, Matt, 
my recall is incredible. I appreciate you donating, man, and showing some love and some support for that. But if you haven't seen the Jaden Daniels film session, go ahead and check that out. We'll have about three or four more Jaden Daniels. We'll continue down the line with all the quarterbacks or the top three quarterbacks. Um, and then we'll definitely have plenty of players along the way as draft process keeps going. Fellas, Dre, AJ, what's going on, man? How y'all feeling, dog? I'm good. I'm wondering how you feel. You trying to stay safe in the Jaden Daniels, Drake May War, man? That's it's a big, real battle out in them streets, man. I think you in that film session, bro. <laughs> when I when I tell you, like I'm 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 so I'm so proud of myself from the sense of um, like over the years, like we've seen this time and time and again, like how people choose sides and like when they start developing these crushes on these players and things like that, like they'll do anything they can to tear down the other prospect uh, just so they can keep supporting and, and building up the prospect that they love. So like, it's so funny. I'm going to say this on the show because I, I everybody who's here now and then Dre, you're here, you, you, you on Twitter all the time too. I'm going to say this on the show right now, bro. Like the same process that I'm doing with Jaden Daniels, I'm going to be doing the same thing with Drake May. I'm going to be doing the same thing with Caleb Williams. And I guarantee yeah, you those same stop. people who hated uh, J or Jaden Daniels, they're going to be in my mentions this the guy. This this the guy. And and the same people that hate Drake May, they're gonna be uh and, and love Jaden Daniels. They're gonna be doing that, man. That ain't shit. Who cares about a, 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 a strong arm? Nobody care about that. Same thing, bro. Happens time and again. Happens time and again. What's going on with you, AJ? Cooling, man. Cooling. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, that's that's the beauty of like draft period. This is exactly what the NFL wants. That's why college football season ends in December, besides uh, the, the playoffs now that we have in January. But they want people to build up these conversations in anticipation for their big reality show uh, come April and May every single year. Because there's no reason in hell that the draft should be taking place months later. Uh, <laughs> like, it's so, so much... There, I mean, look at the NBA. I agree with AJ. Other league. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just why, trying to get perspective. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, but it's like it's interesting because so many people don't understand like even the financials for guys that represent these players, like what all goes into that. You're spending, you got a first round talent, you're spending fifty thousand dollars just on training alone for one guy at a facility in hopes that they improve their stock possibly in a forty. Not even like what they did on film, like in a forty bench press, uh, three cone, like. All of this is just a now. waste of time when you could literally just go based off the, off the film, do these pro days, and, and get it over with. Like, <laughs> but you know that that's but, what but, they want. They want to build up the anticipation for that moment. But I do understand if there's one thing I get. This is how I always felt. I just didn't think about the time the timetable. I did always think that it would make more sense to. Why don't why are you why won't why won't why don't you draft players first before you do free agency, right? Like, and and I think for me, when I think about free agency, bro. Um, think about the people who are aligning themselves up with certain teams because they they know that they're about to get a quarterback or they're not about they're about to get a, a special player, and then it's like, all right, I just gotta wait until the dominoes fall, and then all of a sudden the dominoes don't fall where they want to, like. And now they're screwed like mentally because it's like, damn, I came here for X, Y, Z, and this ain't happened. So I, I think from from that standpoint, I always thought that the, the draft should always stay in front in front of free agency. Um, similar to that's how they do it. Um, ain't that how, how they do it in, in NBA? 
Like the draft is in like right like in late June or something like that. The, the draft is a week after the NBA finals in the NBA. Yeah, and then free agency yeah, is then shortly after that. Like a couple weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks right. later. That that's kind of how I felt my, my like it should is, do it. But go ahead, Jay. And I'm just gonna say, I mean, when the new league year starts, why can't everything start around that time? I think that's when you should schedule it. The new league year always starts in mid-March, which is when free agency starts. So why are we waiting damn near a month and a half for the draft? It just doesn't make sense to me. But again, it does make sense from the build-up, as AJ said. I do agree with that because if you notice, they've always kind of pushed this draft later and later, and then they making it a multi-day event. It was first off, it was two days in the past. It was a whole tw- a ten-hour event on the Saturday. Saturday and then six hours on Sundays. Now you got a three day event with prime time and everything. So they're just, they love the drama of it. So like AJ said, they love the buildup of these prospects, especially when you have like multiple quarterback prospects in one draft. But for us, man, it's an overload. We're, we got to watch you, these wars and the fans pick sides and all of that, man. It's crazy. And another reason why they do it is they don't have to pay the talent. So because these players are college uh, prospects until they sign an NFL contract. They're not under the guidelines in the NFL PA. So when, when these guys are being advertised, they're getting to sell these, these sponsorship opportunities, these commercials, like a Caleb Williams. You feel me? He's a big time marquee household name that everyone's going to be looking forward to to see him play. They get to get that man to come to this year's in Detroit. Come to Detroit, him, Drake May, all these guys sitting there waiting to be drafted. Somebody has to come back the next day for free. <laughs> They're not getting paid nothing to sit there. I mean, yeah, they'll sign a contract eventually down the line, but it's it's a free talent pool for them. Like, so that's that's what they're doing it. But yeah, it's it's, it's pretty intriguing. You know, we're in a situation um, as a Commanders podcast. They sit at number two, so damn near number one where we get to engage with a bunch of people and hear their opinions on who they like at quarterback. You didn't heard the, you didn't heard the JJ McCarthy's Drake may Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels is like, Hey man, it, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out, but we all don't have no say. So uh, we just hope that they go with the right person that can end up being, but I would pretty it, much like to say the first franchise quarterback in Washington football history, um, since you know before Christ, because Sonny Jurgis was, was the last. AJ. <laughs> no, hey AJ, let me ask you this though, bro. Like, because I know you feel strongly about Caleb Williams in a sense. Now, what I see a lot of fans, of course, with the Drake May and uh, um, Jaden Daniels discourse, I get the feeling that if the guy that they don't like is drafted here, they're going to kind of root against that guy, or they're just, they're going to be upset. Are you going to feel that way if they don't go Caleb Williams? I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure how, how you feel on Jaden Daniels. I don't think we got your full opinion on that. I just know you don't like Drake May. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Drake May fan at all. So I'm cool. I'm cool if they go Caleb or Jaden. Uh, you feel me? Like, if they go Drake May uh, as an outsider, I'm going to be upset. I don't believe in the tape. Good wise in the bad tape, I I, I really don't like it. it. It looks like someone that's going to struggle at the next level because they have a lot to learn, a lot on their plate. And some people not gonna like it, but it kind of reminds me of Sam Howell. And I feel like if you're gonna spend the number two pick on a guy like Drake May just from you know over uh oh just from the fact of like analyzing his film, I just feel like 
that that's not going to really hit in this town. And in two to three years, you'll be drafting another quarterback. Adam Peters and Dan uh, Dan Quinn will be elsewhere. They will not be in Washington. But, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I think I've named on here my quarterback number one is Caleb. Number two is Jaden Daniels uh, for this particular team. And hopefully, you know, it swings that way. Those guys get the opportunity to sit in front of the ownership group and coaches next week at the Combine. Uh, actual quarterback workout day is next Saturday, March 2nd. So those guys will be in town uh, late Thursday night uh, or whatever and start doing the interviews on Friday and stuff. So um, I expect, Drew, would you? you know, oh, before we really get into the show, I expect to know by Sunday or, or Sunday or Monday, like maybe what is that, March 3rd or 4th, what the Chicago Bears intend to do with Justin Fields, that is set to that has set everything up for the draft because they have to make a decision on Justin Fields before free agency opens. Um, because no, what'd you ask about the quarterback later? What'd you ask about the, um, you said something about, you said, what'd you ask AJ about Caleb, Caleb and, and Drake? No, what'd you ask no, basically I was just asking him, would he be <laughs> against, um, <laughs> would he be against, uh, you know, a guy that the guy that he doesn't approve of in a, in the draft in a sense, because like I said, I know he likes Caleb Williams. Didn't know how he felt truly about Jaden Daniels, but I knew he didn't like Drake May. So I was just wondering how would he feel if that moment comes about that Drake May is the one drafting on draft night. Okay. Um. Yeah. I think. I think. I mean, it's a good question because you know, I, I everybody is no secret when AJ gets his heels dug in on something he ain't that that motherfucking digs in even his heels and even deeper bro you can't get him but, out you ain't getting him out <laughs> yeah it's it, it is what it is with with AJ but I, I do think um the question in itself in its natural form is is a really good question because there's two things that you got to take into account the first thing is exactly that on its surface how do people take that because when you have your expectations up for one player or maybe a couple players and it's all except for another guy, um, you know, the the letdown factor is one personal because they didn't get your guy. But then, two, it's like, damn, do I do I root this person? This is a the person that's actually do I root for this person or it's like I want to be proven right. And how do you get how do you get how do you get to the point of like? All right, well, I hope that things work out, but I don't think that it will. Versus, I'm going to, uh, I don't know, this is going to work. I'm very convinced that this isn't going to work, um, because they don't have my guy. And I think those are the, the part of the mental expectations that you have to like kind of simmer down. And here's the thing the reason why I even bring that part up because that's the one aspect. The other aspect that go, goes inside coincides with this entire conversation is. Y'all, y'all meaning everybody. Y'all kind of gotta, y'all gotta get an understanding that odds are they moving on from Justin Fields. I know that Dre, you, you Dre and AJ, y'all are uh more on the optimistic side. Not y'all never said guaranteed. I don't think, but y'all on the more optimistic side that they are Justin Fields is staying in Chicago, but. The more I think about it, bro, it makes no sense for them to keep Justin Fields. Like, I felt like that a week or two ago, even when y'all were discussing this. But I'm more certain as time moves on that they have no reason to keep Justin Fields, bro. 
I have no on, my mind has changed. My mind has changed. Oh, it's changed. All right. They, they have <laughs> yes, no reason has. to keep Justin Fields, bro. Like, what what are the what are the factors for keeping them in the situation that they're in, bro? The only thing that can really save the new head coach, too, on top of that, is getting a superstar talent like Caleb Williams and building around him. And then the GM, too, like the new GM, like he's he's been there for like a year or two. Why would he keep Justin? He didn't draft him. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I could have sworn he got there a year after Justin was drafted there. Like he has, they have no reason to keep Justin Fields versus the number one overall prospect uh, with superior arm talent. Don't, the comparisons that we talked about last week that I'm not going to use that name, like all these other things. And then they study the tape. They know how good he is. And you're telling me you're going to trade out of that spot and keep Justin Fields. I, it doesn't compute in my head. It makes no sense for them to do that, bro. And if they pass on Caleb Williams, I don't see any other course that Justin Fields survives his his five-year contract in Chicago, and then the coaches are still there after a year or two. Like I think everybody gets canned if they if they keep Justin Fields and go down that track, that track, bro. Well, let me tell you why it does make sense for them to move off of that pick. Cause like you have to think. Yeah, Ryan Poles, he's been there, what, two years now? Uh, Matt Uberfuss, he was he was pretty much going to get fired before that Thursday night game against the Washington Commanders. You know, Ron Rivera helped him keep his job. He might owe him some commission uh, for that. <laughs> but essentially, what they're, what they're doing is they can build up even further assets by trading back that pick and improving their team to actually compete against the Packers and the Lions immediately whereas with Caleb you know they they would be having another quarterback and relying on the trade market to get some true value for Justin Fields people are projecting teams might give them a second there's no way in hell I could see a team giving up a second for Justin Fields AJ why why would we why would we why would we stay at number two if we got the same situation that they got like from from the theory and how you how you argued it for Chicago keeping Justin, like why would Chicago, why would Washington why would honestly, Washington stay at two when we can trade back and 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 give up assets? I mean, uh, accumulate assets, not give up assets. Chicago's ahead of the game. You feel me? If we feel like if we feel like what Caleb Williams brings to the table best is out of out of pocket, off platform throws and opportunities outside the pocket, Justin Fields does the same thing. Like. We, we all watch football. We watch college football. Justin Fields has never been a running quarterback. Like, he's always been a pocket guy. It's just due to circumstances in Chicago that he's had to use his legs more than anything. But now they've built the infrastructure with better coaching offensively. And if they can continue to add more weapons to go alongside that, they could honestly compete for that division next year. And those guys, Ryan Poles and Matt Uberfluss, the head coach, are trying to save their job. If they essentially take if they take Caleb Williams, they possibly will get fired more than likely at the end of the year because Hell, there's no way what? <laughs> they, have another, they have another draft pick at number nine, bro. <laughs> they got they got they draft picks, nine, bro. But, but think think about it, bro. If you can acquire even further assets, you can go ahead and get more players in this same draft. If you're at number one and you can move to number two Get a team's number two pick still. You still got number you got number nine. You can also get a second round. You don't have a second round pick for this draft because you traded that for Mata Sweat. So you can get another uh, another second round pick. Then on top of that, you still got free agency that you can utilize and you have a first round pick for next year once again. 
I mean, obviously they're not thinking about taking a quarterback because they've had the opportunity last year to take either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Like, but that argument could go that the way too. <laughs> what do you think they did last year? If that was the, is that if that's the argument they passed on, they passed on them quarterbacks. You can't do it two years in a row. Is it, is it not the same situation? Who's but better? Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, or who was the other one? Uh, CJ Stroud. Rank them. Rank them. Let's let's rank those three guys. All three, rank them. All three of those guys essentially have been named generational amongst conversations prior to entering the NFL. Mm-hmm. Right or wrong? Nope. Bryce Young. Uh, I don't think CJ Stroud has identified as. I don't. As, as I don't think CJ. No, CJ Stroud was considered a safe pick in last yeah, year. Yeah, I'm about he to say wasn't I don't necessarily think... generational. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, CJ ain't been – he wasn't tied to generational. A lot of people, including me, I was skeptical because of where he played. And and I I acknowledge that. But, like, he was – like, and I'm not I'm not one to speak for everybody, but I know there was tons of people who thought like me. But point I mean, being, they can't pretty just sure two years ago. A lot of people, lot of people <laughs> scout schools – a lot of people scout schools versus the actual player. So whether you be a quarterback – that's why you got a Patrick Mahomes – you know, end up getting drafted later on and, you know, being in the right situation with the Kansas City Chiefs because people were scouting the fact that he came from Texas Tech and came from the air raid system when his skill set might have pushed him in the competition more so if the draft had went how we thought, Deshaun Watson and him instead of Mitchell Trubisky being the number two pick and Patrick Mahomes number two and Deshaun Watson the third quarterback in that draft. But, I mean, if you ask me to rank those guys, I would I would put I would put Caleb Williams at one A, Bryce Young at at, at one I mean one uh, B, and CJ Stroud number number two I guess in that sense. I think they all, all right. they're all immensely talented. It's all about the situation. So so yeah, let me ask I, you this then: know. we got one I got one more follow up, and then let's settle this with like a a a, a, a one statement thing, and we'll circle back like in a week or two or maybe a month from now. Anyway, all right, here's a follow-up question. If you got Caleb Williams as a 1A, right, how do you uh, rationalize or explain as a general manager to the owner why you passed up on two one quarterbacks? 1A, 1B, how do you pass up on two quarter, two 1A, 1B quarterbacks two years in a row to go with Justin Fields? And, and, ex- and expect to keep your job if, if things don't work uh, after a year or two. Hey, man, the owner, uh, she like 98. <laughs> nah, so she's she going to forget in a couple months. But but here, here's the thing. I don't I don't know how you explain it, but if you're Ryan Poles and you're Matt Uberfuss, the best year for you to have selected a quarterback was last year, and you decided not to do that. You decided to move on from that pick, give it to Carolina, for their future pick, which is which was very valuable as they ended up with the number one again the following year, and you got DJ Moore. So you were able to see how Justin Fields played alongside DJ Moore, but you also realized that there's a hiccup with the, the meshing of your OC and Luke Getzky and, and Justin Fields. So I really don't know what they're thinking, bro. Like, at the end of the day, that's also a franchise that has never really seen a franchise quarterback in, in their entire history. Like and they got one of they, the, they got one of they, their, their they, fingertips right now. With they they control they had, the draft had, with that pick. They had two last year, bro, and they didn't do it. So, but but why, AJ why we, and, and most people most people are saying that there's three guys in this draft. So 
I don't know. Like at the end of the day, like I said, I I feel like we'll find out next week and just go from there. But this this is what I, I wanted to say on that though, AJ. You can't do this two years in a row because for one, CJ Stroud looks like one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in recent memory just going off his rookie year. I mean, obviously anything can happen after that, but if he continues on the path that he's on, you're talking about a guy that's going to have a hell of a career in this league. And then you will possibly do that again. Like let's say you pass up on Caleb Williams and he does the same exact thing Stroud does. And you, your reasoning was, I still have to see what I have in Justin Fields. You know, I think at this point, you know what you have in Justin Fields. I mean, I know we can sit up here as fans and say, well, yeah, I mean, we, we can sit up here as fans and say, well, Justin Fields, you know, he hasn't been putting the best. AJ knew about Sam Howell off one year, bro. <laughs> yeah, they know, you know about, they know about, you know, at they this know point. Justin, bro. So at, at this point, there, you, it, it will be detrimental to their franchise to pass up on game changing talent. I mean, assuming that's what Caleb's going to be two years in a row. And, and you, and let's say Justin Fields is still kind of the same quarterback. You're still in that six to seven uh, win range while Stroud and Caleb Williams is out there just ascending as stars in this league and you're empty handed. And what are you going to do next year? You may not be in that position next year to replace Justin Fields that way. If, if, and next year, you may be in a situation where you're talking about, man, we got to see what that quarterback is on the option or, you know, who we can trade for because we're not high enough to grab one of those guys. And also next year's draft, isn't that great? As far as we know right now for quarterback prospects. So it just, it, it would be irresponsible to pass up on that two years in a row. All right. So let's settle this and and, and get on to, this has been a, a very fun topic. I, I like this one, but let's get into our show in a second. Let's go ahead and make our bets. We're, 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 we're going to be able to change it. I'll, I'll say, I'll give us a three week grace period. We'll change again in three weeks. Uh, Dre said his mind has shifted um, already. So I'm gonna we're gonna place our best right now. The Chicago draft, uh, Caleb Williams. Um, I'm betting that they stay at number one, and I'm betting that they draft Caleb Williams. Uh, Dre, I'm assuming. Well, I'll, I'll give you. I'll let you use your words, and then AJ, you got the floor. Right. Uh, I'm with you. Chicago will stay at number one and draft Caleb Williams. Again, I didn't think this was – I thought it was more of a possibility that they would trade a couple of weeks ago, but the more I started reading and the more I started thinking about it, I was with you more. I was like, this doesn't make sense. AJ, your bet, even though we know it, but let's, let's, get, a, let's get a final verdict and move on. Say that again. I'm having, like, audio difficulties over here. Yeah, it's I don't I, I saw your text, but I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm only thing I'm hearing or is having issues like your mic is muffled a couple times, like when you start talking, but it, it goes away. Um, but I was saying uh let's make our final bets. We'll have a three-week grace period, so we can change it in about three weeks. Um, if we want to change it or stay pat. But what is your bet? Do do Chicago stay at number one or do they trade back? What's your what's your bet right now? I'm I'm betting that Chicago ends up keeping Justin Fields and selling the number one pick to a team. It could be Washington, it could be the Giants, could be the Raiders, could be the Falcons, but they end up moving off from that uh, that pick. Okay. All right. Well, now we know what we need to do: get a Chicago guy on and figure out what the hell <laughs> is going on. That's a good in idea. Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, fellas, Washington. Um. So last time we talked, bro. Uh, it was before Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt uh, 
uh, spoke on Thursday. Um, I, I think, as we all know, one thing that they did, I think they knew, but I think they knew better in terms of like how they structured that press conference because Cliff Kingsbury went first, and then Joe Witt Jr. brought the juice right after him. Like, I don't know how you can do Joe Witt Jr. and then go to Cliff Kingsbury. Like, that would have been a dud <laughs> to, to end the the end of the set of press conferences. Um, but anyway, it's as, as we always say, or as we've come to know over the past couple of years, um, you know, winning the press conference is the easiest thing to do. Um, you can't the only the only thing is a problem is if you actually lose it or fail on that day that you're introduced to your new uh community, region, uh media members, all that stuff, fans, all that stuff. But what do you all think about um Joe Witt's comments? Let's go ahead and start with him first. Um, what do you all think about Joe Witt uh and, and your first impressions of the new defensive coordinator? Yeah, I mean, Joe Witt, it was funny because, like you said, the whole Cliff Kingsbury thing. Cliff Kingsbury spoke like a head coach, like you didn't get much out of him. But then Joe Witt comes on, this hungry, passionate guy. Like, you you just felt it through the screen. Like, it just jumped out at you. And it was almost, you know, a lot of people did kind of compare it to Eric Bieniemy in a sense. But I, I I thought he offered a little bit more depth in some of his comments. Like, I love some of the things he would say. He wasn't just coach speak and cliches. You know, he was giving you some, you know, kind of gems in a sense. Like my favorite comment of all of it, and I had mentioned this on Twitter, was I mean, it, it's, it sounds generic, but I just love the fact that he's like, man, we're going to build a pretty much a player profile for each position. You know, we, we, we want a certain type of player and that's what we're doing and evaluating. And I love that kind of answer because we don't we didn't typically hear that before. And even when we looked at Ron Rivera's rosters, we still question in the roster building. Like, what are they doing here? Like, these players don't fit or this doesn't fit what they want to do. They're just putting guys anywhere, position flex. But with him, he he kind of gave more insight into what they're looking for. And, you know, they we want to grab this type of player. We're going to look for this. He didn't go into details, which is great, but it's, it seems like they have a plan. Like, you know, everything is a plan. He even mentioned some of his coaches, you know, Donatel, the defensive backs coach. He brought in Jason Simmons, the uh, – Pass game coordinator, he was like, we're all going to kind of collaborate how we want to use these guys in certain ways. So as a fan, I get pumped up hearing that because that's a break from the norm. Like, I love the passion and the energy and all of that, but just hearing that you have a plan, that excites me. So, I mean, Joe Witt, man, I thought he brought it. I mean, um, he, he, he was just so, you know, he just had me ready to go out there and play the game, man, you know. But, I mean, no, I'm, I'm I'm excited for him. I mean, obviously, we don't know what he can do. I mean, you know, that's the contrast between him and Cliff. Like, we kind of know what Cliff can do, what, what he can bring to the table offensively. But we kind of don't know what Joe Witt brings individually outside of Dan Quinn. Because so far, he's been kind of Dan Quinn's, you know, wingman in a sense. But now we get to kind of see how he's going to be standing on his own. And, you know, some people listen to that. You know, some people that know him, they say, man, that guy's probably going to be a head coach in a couple of years. You know, that's the that's the, that's how they kind of think of this guy. And, you know, hopefully that's what we end up with. I mean, I would love to be in a position where our coordinators are getting plucked for head coaching jobs. Like, we haven't seen that directly from Washington. I mean, we've seen the mm-hmm. Washington staff with Shanahan, you know, all of those guys. But those guys didn't go straight to coaching jobs from Washington. So it'll be a nice change of pace if we can develop something here where guys are leaving on to bigger opportunities. That means we're doing something right here. And I, that'd be cool if that's Joe Witt. AJ, what you thinking about Joe Witt? Yeah, I think uh, I love what Joe Witt brought to, you know, that that initial presser. 
I'm excited for him. He finally gets this opportunity. Uh, as he stated, he's been ready for this moment since 2015. So just imagine that, man. Like you've been you've been busting your ass in this league. You've been coaching up a dominant position in Green Bay when Charles Woodson won MVP. Um, you're in Dallas. You're in Atlanta. You've done uh, well. Hold on, I don't think he went to Atlanta, but yeah, you've done amazing yeah. things in this league. I think he did follow him. He followed him a couple spots, yeah. <clears throat> but you haven't been able to get your opportunity, and finally it comes in 2024, you know, to finally get that defensive coordinator position and call your own shots. Um, it's a hell of an opportunity for him. Uh, he comes from a, a family. His father is a very popular coach within the college ranks and just in football in general. Uh, I'm excited for him. I love certain things that he said. Uh, there was one thing that he said, I won't quote it verbatim, but he was like, you know, if you are now, are, if you are now like putting in extra hours after hitting like a losing streak, then you were, you were cheating the players, you were cheating us. <laughs> and I feel that that's big, you know, like he, he just talked about coaching and teaching. And I think that's something that a lot of these players with them being young and the lack of veterans uh, within that group uh, on the defensive side, they've needed, they've needed someone to give them that extra push, not just from a, a coaching perspective, but now bringing in former players like a Sharif Floyd alongside a Ryan Kerrigan, um, William Gay, who was a cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day, and just guys that had played this game at an ultimate position, Ken Norton Jr., who was an all-pro linebacker at a point in time in his career. Those things will help go a long way as you've seen this defense, well, the defensive back room took, they took heed to Chris Harris, who was a former safety. You know, when, when they moved on from him with the Ron Rivera staff, you kind of seen that that communication broke down even further because it's different, you know, when you've been in that, that same position, whether it be on the D-line linebacker or a corner safety, you know, what you're looking at and someone that can kind of translate that back to you. Uh, so I'm excited for what he's going to be able to do, make a, a name for himself. I thought that his presser was extremely impressive. Uh, kind of makes you even wonder, like, damn, how aren't some of these guys getting in front of these these ownership groups to, to get these opportunities for head coaching mm -hmm. jobs? Because as we see, just as much as people like to say you need an offensive-minded head coach, you need a, a, a damn good defensive-minded coach as well, if you want to compete for opportunities for this chip, uh, we, we witnessed that in the Super Bowl game. Steve Wilkes put together a hell of a game plan, and Steve Spagnuolo put in, uh, put in, you know, a hell of a game plan for for that offense of the 49ers. So, yeah, I'm I'm just excited overall. I'm I'm happy that you know, guys that I'm friends with will finally be able to get coached up properly, and hopefully they they'll be able to make an impact for this team. And just also the other pieces that they'll add uh, in free agency and in the draft, and see if they truly get to blossom and hit their potential. Um, yeah, Joe Witt, I was I was a fan of um, from a some from several standpoints. Excuse me. First and foremost, uh, how he communicated, uh, it was effective. Like he, in terms of like straightforward communication. Um, and even just understanding like his purpose and everything that he said, like it, it sounded like he had purpose. Now, granted, again, these are just conversations that he's having, right? He's he's just talking to the media um, and like words can only take you. But so far, by the end of the day, when you're doing these introductions, 
Like you're set, you're still setting the tone for how you're going to be coming to Washington. And like when you do compare situations uh, in terms of previous uh, people here, previous members of coaching staff, like Jack Del Rio don't even give you that much. Like he gives you very little to nothing. Like everything is a secret. And then if there was something that Joe Witt couldn't talk about, he literally said it in the press conference. Like, yeah, I'm not going to divulge in this aspect of our, you know, of our defensive plans or anything like that. And I think that stands out because he can, he can, he can give you so much up until the point that he can't and he'll communicate the best way that he can to people who are on the outside looking in, trying to get an understanding of who he is as a, as a person and who he is as a, as a coach. And I think he was very relatable. I think he was able to, to be vulnerable in his stance of like letting people know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done what he's dealing with like when you when you share that as a as a just a person that's speaking to to people that's trying to understand you it's like okay um damn like my cousin is uh has issues like with dyslexia or um or i got dyslexia or or like my mom has it or or like something or or dan quinn did this for for your kids like that's incredible like so many different instances where he was personable in terms of like real life examples of him being a human being. And then going back to coaching, one of the things that I, that really stood out to me was um, just understanding like this defense for Washington has tried to take on a mold of former experienced coaches Um for such a long time. What I mean by that, because I don't think that was really clear. Uh, Mike Shanahan, we were we were so concerned about uh what our person what we thought our personnel needed, and, and everybody was so excited when they went to it. Mostly everybody, from what I can remember, was excited when they went to the three four when Mike Shanahan got here, never got the pieces to get that to to, to really have a competent 34 defense. Um now you look at when Rivera got here. And Jack Del Rio, everybody was geeking out because we went back to a 43 defense, right? And you never got the maximum production for what people thought uh, with that defense with Jack Del Rio there. We always talked about how 
they had this position flex conversation and it turns out that so many people were doing so much um that nobody knew what the f they were doing to begin with like their brains were scrambling on the field uh and then you think about people on the defensive line they only stood at one position like they they their actual athletic ability and talents weren't maximized like like people thought that they were i remember aj several times throughout the season why isn't jamie D- davis blitzing enough uh, who knows what joe witt has in store for J- a jamie davis or other players but at the same time you get the point of like Joe Witt says we're going to create a defense that fits the mode of Washington. And it's not about what type of defense we're going to bring here. It's literally what do these guys do well? And let's figure out something as coaches that's going to be unique to Washington and create our own identity. And I think that's, that was something that, that stood out to me the most uh, when I heard Joe Witt talking. It's like nobody has ever suggested that idea in terms of coaches. Um, I don't know what everybody else outside of the circle, the, the actual team has thought about, but you never heard any of the coaches say, we're going to create our own defense for Washington. And I think that was a, a very outstanding comment. And I, and I can't wait to see what that looks like. It also shortens the load for me. Cause it's like, I don't really got to watch that much Dallas film. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so for what he, they do. What, what the, he said, people think we're going to run what we did at Dallas. They're solely mistaken. That's why I brought guys all from all different walks. I mean, he said that in the press conference. But, I mean, kind of to your point, Maude, this is what I was talking about. What has me excited is the fact that they are building a defense. They're, they're, they're building a specific profile for how they want the players and what specific type of players is meticulous in thinking. And that's something I just felt like we haven't had. As, you know, someone in the chat just mentioned – We've had three, four defenses, but not three, four players. We've had four, three defenses, but not four, three players. So it, it always seems like an imbalance. In me, one of my biggest gripes for years, they would go out and draft a bunch of box safeties and tell one of them, hey, you got to go play free. And the guy, it, it just wasn't, you know, what they do. You know, even, you know, in the sense of the defensive tackles, I, I kind of feel like there's no kind of balance there as guys that can do different things, on, the, in, especially in the interior defensive line. It's like, what are you trying to build? Are you are you just building a random defense or with a collection full of players that you can hope can do what you want them to do? Or are you going to build something specific to certain players' talents and you're going to bring that type of talent in? So that's what get, has me excited the most, especially knowing that a guy like Adam Peters, who's kind of known for his scouting background, he's going to be identifying and picking these players for these guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, man, it's it's kind of like the same thing, bro. Like, at the end of the day, these players under Rivera and his staff have been having to learn so much coming into the league. Like, imagine, I mean, we talked about it a lot last year. Emmanuel Forbes, you draft this man to create turnovers and to be an outside corner, but yet you have this man learning the slot position, uh, both sides at corner, right and left. Like, you got him doing all these different things, and he's just trying to get acclimated to even being in the NFL, the game speed, the lifestyle, all these different things. So when he gets out on fit, on the field, he can't even play fast. And I've seen the same thing happen with, with, with Ben St. Juice. Like, they drafted him to be a press outside man corner, and then all of a sudden – changing the slot corner like it's just like guys are having to take in too much and learn too much and I believe and I trust in Dan Quinn before he even starts his tenureship um in Washington and Joe Witt that they will put guys in the right position to succeed and help them play fast you look at a Micah Parsons 
Micah Parsons was an off-ball linebacker coming out of college at Penn State. He mm-hmm. was never he was he was used at DN here and there, but it was a it was never a primary position for him at Penn State. But what happened? Dan Quinn he ended up formulating the plan and and decided, hey, I feel like we can win better and we can be a better defense if we put Micah strictly at DN or at least majority of his snaps is going to be at DN, but we'll also move him around, whether it be lining up over the center or the guard. Like, we'll play him off ball in some situations. Like, you just had to utilize that talent as a mismatch piece, but you were still keeping him active and being able to attack the ball. And I just feel like that's exciting for this defense. You know, hopefully those players, especially Emmanuel Forbes, he has to be, he has to be ecstatic. Like, I'm finally going to be in an opportunity where I just get to lock in on one thing and go and get the damn ball and, and play my role, and I should be Gucci. Now, it's up to Adam Peters and the rest of the group to identify the talent in this free agency class and the draft because, as we know, they need some defensive ends. K.J. Henry <laughs> and Andre Jones do not fit the profile, even though they're saying they don't necessarily have a profile, but they they – they don't really fit within the athletic uh, downhill pass rusher that we've been accustomed to seeing out of that that front in Dallas and Seattle in the past years. Hey, AJ, quick uh, question. Um, oh, I just want to ask AJ something quick. Because he being a Virginia Tech guy, you're talking about the defensive line. What do you know about Daryl Tapp and what he can bring as a coach for the D-line for those guys? I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about his, his coaching style. Uh, but Daryl as a person, he's, he's, he communicates very well, very chill, calm. Um, just even him as a player, he knew how to use his hands pretty damn well. I think that he'll be able to get into those players and, and help them understand their techniques. Uh, I've heard great things of how he's been coaching in San Francisco, but I don't know his exact coaching style, but as, a, as an individual, real down-to-earth, likable, uh, those guys should get along with him pretty damn well. Offensively, what do we think about Cliff? Um, I'll start too because um, I think uh, I don't know how people interpreted Cliff like in terms of like his demeanor or how he was talking. Um, I do know one thing, like the way he approached the conversations. I don't know if he ever got introduced to like a media market like Washington. Um, like he was he was short with some answers. He was like, again, I'm not going to answer this type of question when I ask him about these like quarterback situation questions. Um, and I think one thing's for sure, uh, because there's not much to take away from the actual presser, in my opinion. I think he better be careful because if this offense ain't humming under him. Like, boy, E.B. E. handled the pressures with class and maturity. He knew how to dodge professionally some of, the, some of that heat directed towards him. That man, Cliff, for, we, we, just, we just met that man for two minutes. And, and I'm not saying what he said was problematic. I'm just saying, like, if, if that's how he's going to respond or, or try to shut down something, like how much, how, how long can he hold that up if things aren't working is what I'm saying. Um. But but I, I I do think if I have to be serious for one second, um, he mentioned the type of quarterback that he wants. 
um, while people think that, uh, you know, the traits that he described in a, in a type of quarterback, because the way they phrased it, the media did, um, you know, they wanted to see if he was going to like describe a Caleb Williams and coming out in the draft, he described Patrick Mahomes, but he also described like the nature of the league. Like you can't win if you don't have those traits nowadays, the leagues are, the league's defenses are faster, they're stronger, they're smarter. And you need a quarterback who can move a little bit. Um, you don't have to have a, a super af- athletic quarterback, but you got to have somebody who can move, get himself out of trouble when things aren't working well around him, like working, working, striving in, through chaos. That's that's important. And then obviously uh, being able to, to to actually attack a defense, man, all those things are important. But um, I think he described the, the nature of today's quarterbacks um, and, and what you need to beat these super smart, modernized, up to speed defenses with elite talent, uh, elite at elite athletic ability, and on all three levels, you need a quarterback who can do a lot. Yeah, um, it's funny because, like you said, Cliff, he didn't give you much. I mean, I don't know necessarily how I took it in a sense of how you took it. I, I more so thought he was a head coach before maybe he had been burned by the media. I mean, that's just kind of how I, I felt about it. Like maybe he's said too much in the past, you know, in his past experiences. And he's like, man, I don't trust these guys. I'm going to give them a little bit. And part of me was also wondering if like the higher ups or the execs were like, man, look, they ask you any quarterback questions, you beat the hell out of it because we saw Doug Williams go on national TV last week and basically say, oh, nine times out of ten, we drafted a quarterback at number two, and that kind of got a rise out of people. But, I mean, Cliff, he, he didn't give you much. I mean, it's hard to kind of get a read on him or what he wants to do, which is fine. But, I mean, one of the things I kind of took from it, um, I, it was interesting to hear when they asked him about, you know, all of the coaches that's going to be working with him. And Cliff kind of gave an answer as a uh, – you know, we're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to work it out. Now, I didn't know what to make of that as if, you know, they haven't really formulated a plan or if that was just part of Cliff not giving out too much. But I kind of want to take the optimistic approach to that, and it was similar to the Joe Witt thing. You wonder if Cliff is bringing something completely different than what you've seen from him before, and that's why you're bringing in all these different minds. Now, that's where I got kind of question, you know, was Cliff being, you know, because – People have said Cliff is an offensive genius. You know, I'm sure he feels like he's that dude when it comes to offense. I wonder how he, you know, collaborates with the rest of the group or if it's going to kind of be a, you know, uh, it's my my way or no way type of deal. But I, I would love to see how he works together with the Brian Johnsons, the Tavita Pritchett, you know, those guys that are going to be tasked with certain things. Uh, Anthony Lynn as well, the run game coordinator, you know. So you wonder if the offense – is going to be airy. I kind of don't think it's going to be full out airy. Like I think he's going to really do something different. So that's the intrigue that's coming with Cliff Kingsbury at this point. Cause you're like, all right, you know, how different is this thing going to be? What are we going to look for for players? And, you know, whereas Joe Witt, we kind of got a little bit out of him, but with Cliff Kingsbury, we got kind of zero saying that we're guessing a little bit more offensively, but I do kind of feel like he's still going to have receivers. That's going to be a heavy part of his offense as they were before. So you got to kind of start looking for those yak guys, you know, maybe that opens up the Terry's or the Jahans. Maybe they're looking for something different. Maybe you can get that in the draft, but that's one of those positions that I do probably will feel like that's going to kind of stay a constant and what you've seen from clip before, but the rest of it is very intriguing because I do feel like he may bring something different than you've seen clip do in the past. Yeah. I think, I think with Cliff presser, <clears throat> it comes from recently just being a head coach. 
uh, and also feeling like he didn't want to tip his hand in any regard. But it's like, if you're not running the air raid offense, then what the fuck are you doing here? Like, excuse my language, but there's no point of hiring you, my boy. Like, you better stick to the, the rivers and the lakes that you know. Like, maybe could you create some fusion in it with, you know, Anthony Lynn helping out with the run game a bit more, uh, Brian Johnson, you know, mixing in some RPOs in a different type of style and look and run game from his tenure. Uh, yeah, I'll say tenureship again. Jay Tyler, that's just for your ass. that's that's my word so yeah at the end of the day like I feel like he he's just playing it coy because anything he he does say could be misled the the wrong way um and that's probably something that you know the the PR team also briefed him on as well um I, I feel like he knows what he wants to do but it's also up to him to create a, a different type of look of what that offense has been when he was with Arizona. Um, we'll see if he gets it done. I mean, time, time will tell. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's facts. Um, time will tell, man. Um, and I think that's a good time to transition for our last bit of, of, of this show to, to actually discuss uh, some of the pieces on the roster. Um, you know, let me actually pull up dependent free agents. But we kind of know what we were getting into offensively and defensively with some guys that were going to be possibly moving around. Um, and I think uh, for Washington, they got a, a few key pieces. Matter of fact, let's start with the cornerstone pieces. Like, who are the people that we can for sure count on under this Quinn regime now? Um, I think the layups are Terry McLaurin, Deron Payne, and, and Jonathan Allen, right? Um Brian Robinson, too. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how I forgot him. And, and obviously, uh, <laughs> Sam Cosme. But I, I'm looking at those guys, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, like, those are probably, like, your cornerstone pieces and everybody else is, like, getting where – everybody else that will be around is, like, a get-in-where-you-fit-in type of mode. Like, who do we think are the cornerstone pieces? Did I name them all, or am I missing some? I'm going to add one. Um, I, I, I agree with your list, Small, but – Quan Martin, I know that sounds like a surprise because we didn't see him have a great, great rookie year. He looked great that stretch, but I'm bringing him up because his name was brought up involuntarily by Joe Witt in the press conference. When they asked Joe right. Witt about Emmanuel Forbes, you know, he's like, yeah, I like Forbes. I liked him when we, we was at Dallas, but I also like Quan Martin. So the fact that he brought Quan Martin's name up tells me is in the fact that he kind of admitted that he liked him before the draft. I think that's one guy with a safe road going into next year. I think they're going to create something for him and they're going to find some, some way they're going to utilize him as a playmaker. I mean, he, he was that at Illinois and he started showing shades of that late down the stretch. He didn't play a lot during the year, which was, <laughs> remember AJ was pissed about that early on, but later on he started to play and we started to see him make some plays. So I think that's one guy I would add to your list, but that list is very short. That's the list to me. I don't know if anyone else is on that list. Mm, cornerstone, I guess if we're going to put Quan Martin up there, you got to add Emmanuel Forbes. Like, Emmanuel Forbes got to get this right. He, he got the opportunity to be put in position to make plays on the ball and be a Deron Bland. Deron Bland, if I'm not mistaken, is a fifth-round pick out of maybe, like, San Jose State. <laughs> you know, Emmanuel Forbes – being one of the 
the top interception guys in NCAA history, this is an opportunity for him to become a cornerstone. And when you draft a corner at what 16th overall, that's what you hope. But I think my list would be my list would be Emmanuel Forbes, um, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen if he doesn't get traded, and Terry McLaurin. But outside of that, you don't really have any mark. You don't really have that many marquee pieces. You kind of got a lot of questionable pieces of anything that still remain on the roster. Hello, Paul, yeah, I, I know you mentioned. I was gonna say I know you mentioned Brian Robinson. What about Chris Rodriguez? Do you think he may have he may have surpassed them because he went hard as hell down the stretch, man. He is a hard runner. Um, I don't think he surpassed Brian Robinson. I think that run game was so Brad, like they would I don't know if you remember this conversation going into 2020, 2023 season, but like bro, Brian Robinson created all of his damn damn near all of his yards in 2022. Like and I think it was kind of the same thing in 2023. Like every single yard that he earned was he earned that shit the hard way. And and I think when you transfer that to, to Chris Rodriguez, I think uh, while that's kind of like on the film or football type of thing, I, I think that Chris Rodriguez probably has a, a little more ways to go from a sense of um, like letting um, like cementing himself. That's the word cementing himself with the coaching staff that, you know, he can be relied on just as as, as big as Brian Robinson uh, can be relied on from 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 the backfield standpoint. Who knows? Um, but where was where was I going? Um, oh, so uh, Kenny has any chance Washington resigns Antonio Gibson? Um, could the new offense scheme get more production out of him? Uh, I, I want to expand that question and not make it about just Gibson. We can answer the Gibson question uh, for Kenny, but I, I do think uh, there's one thing that we got to keep in mind. We asked that question about three years in a row. Uh, we thought that Antonio Gibson's role was going to expand. Uh, in second year under Scott Turner, we thought that Antonio Gibson's role was going to expand with uh, Eric Bieniemy. Um, I think if there's one thing to take away from from Gibson is to know like he has athletic abilities, but like he's not that breakaway player. Like he's he's always been a person who got tripped by the shoestring, um, and uh, he's had moments where he could break away. The only opportunity that he ever really exploded in terms of the run game or a pass game play was the the screen where in, in Buffalo where he, he was in open field um, and like there wasn't that many defenders around him. So he just had to weave through traffic. Uh, and I say all that to say, I don't know how this coaching staff is going to take his athletic traits and say that we can keep him around. And I also think he's going to try and look for an opportunity of his own on the market. And that kind of goes to like Curtis Samuels that goes to Kendall Fuller. Um, and I think that goes for Cam Curl. Uh, who who I think honestly AJ has said this point in at one time and I actually um I I put some thought on this and, and I do think that he can work here in Washington. Um I don't know two things because I, I was jumping the gun. First things first, I think that Cam Curl is going to test the market. I think that this year had shown him like why he had he stretched himself thin taking on multiple roles, which wasn't really his fault. The coaches bammed like with with all the other players and, and it exposed them in terms of like being a, a post safety he doesn't really have that in my opinion being able to play high um he's more relegated to like a box role or even slot slot corner in situational football i think he's going to try and test his 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 options out on in, in the open market and i think he'll 
I mean, he maybe he maybe does find something out there. Um, and on top of that, Washington may not have that much interest in resigning him when you have a Quan Martin that Dre mentioned um, in the wings who can really do a lot uh, and post and free, and he's more athletic than than Cam Curl. Um, and then you got Derek Forge just coming back from injury too. So like you got options if you're Washington at safety and you can afford to let a Cam Curl go, even though he's a smart player. Um, and I think he fits well in the box. But I think that there's some some guys out here that's, that that are viewed as good players for Washington, but I don't know if you're going to really miss all of these free agents. Um, maybe K- Curtis Samuel is probably the one guy that I think you'll probably say, all right, um he did really good in in 2023 and i think that's what we wanted to see in all three years here but it's unfortunate that it came in his last season um and and now he's probably gonna try and get his paper one last time in free agency yeah i think um people's fascination with antonio gibson is because they he reminds them of a like a, a creative player on madden if you were picking a player at running back on madden you'd probably make him 6'3 220 and have, you know, have run a 40 of four 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 five. you feel me? But at the end of the day, he can't, he can't play football the way that you want him to be on the field. Like, he'll never be your RB1. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Adam Peters attacks the running back free agency market. Um, I don't know his role in the acquisition of, uh, acquiring Chris McCaffrey two years ago, uh, but Chris McCaffrey is the highest paid running back in the league, and we've seen what the addition of him to that San Francisco team ended up being for them. He almost won the MVP this year, honestly. So when you have free agent running backs on the market like a Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, and so on uh, available could they spend that money there in acquiring one of those guys to provide an extra boost to a rookie quarterback? Because as we all know, they're going to take a quarterback with the second overall pick or some pick in the first round, whatever they do there. I just don't see Antonio Gibson coming back. And I really don't see the value of paying him because there's not much that he brings to the football field (laughs) that you can't get elsewhere. Um, When it comes to Cam Curl, I think he's definitely going to test the market and see what his value is out there. Uh, I also think that this organization has some, some options that can fill in his role. Uh, Joe Witt did mention the Buffalo nickel, a guy that played the Buffalo nickel for them in Dallas was J Ron curse. Uh, who's about six, four two fifteen. He is a free agent. He has familiarity with the system being in Dallas. That's a cheaper route to go already right there and could possibly provide you the same production um, within this new scheme for the rest of the guys, but not new to that player for way less than what you might have to pay Cam Curl to go alongside of Quan Martin because you're going to want to highlight Quan Martin in different positions. He could be a slot. He could be safety. We don't really know where they're going to utilize him yet, but I just don't see Cam Curl being – uh, a major fixture for them to to bring into the mix um, with their regime because they are not really familiar with him. So as much as everybody, you know, loves Cam Curl, but the truth is I don't think he's had a turnover in the last two or three years. 
Like, you can't get paid premium dollar if you ain't, you're not making no plays. Um, with everybody else, man, I think it's up in the air for Curtis Samuel. I think it's up in the air for Kendall Fuller um, at cornerback. It would be interesting to see how that plays out once again because we don't know the direction uh, of what they're going to do in, in that regard. We don't know uh, if they'll keep Curtis Samuel, but that's why the combine period is so important aside from just even the draft prospects, these agents and the representatives of, of these teams get to have these conversations to get a feel uh, for what that player is looking for on the market. And you'll start hearing a, a lot of different rumors of guys moving around or teams not being interested in their free agents anymore uh, that will help us understand what direction they're really trying to go. But I would personally love for them to bring back a Curtis Samuel. I think he would fit perfectly in this offense, but it boils down to the money. Fuller. Yeah. Fuller, I really, I really don't see him fitting necessarily within the scheme. Uh, I think that they could go younger at the cornerback position or attempt to get a guy, uh, get a guy in free agency. I, I posted something about like my predictions. I would like for them to go after the Jerry Sneed from the Kansas city chiefs to, to play outside alongside uh, Emmanuel Forbes or whatever. So, yeah, they got a lot of money, man. <laughs> Washington got a lot of money that they could throw at these players. Um, and we haven't seen that done in a while. But this is a, a solid free agency class to go ahead and try to improve your defense, whether it be pass rusher, linebacker, or on the back end in the cornerback or safety room. You know it's going to be interesting, bro? Washington don't got a kicker. Joey Slide's a free agent, too. Um, now, I don't think that's a huge deal right now you'll eventually find a kicker but like um you know we somewhat been like in a i i'm not a, i wasn't i was cool with moving on from dustin hopkins but we kind of been like on a a little roller coaster since we let that man go um but he's a slides a free agent so i don't know what they're going to want to do with him um where was the guy that i was looking at just now what, uh what about uh what about you bringing back jeremy reeves <laughs> Yeah, I was bringing back special teams, man. <laughs> hey, look, you need a special team, man. You know what I'm saying? No, you know who I'm gonna bring? I'm gonna bring in. Uh, I'm gonna bring back Jacoby Brissett, man. Boy, that boy be online tweeting like he Der- Derwin James or some shit, man. That shit, be man, bro. He can't say passionate. <laughs> he he can't be a little uh Matt Slater, bro. He can't be. He can't be. Hey, man, he can't Matt, be watching Matt, Matt Slater, bro. I don't care what he tweet about. The man can play special teams, man. I don't tweet the man. I don't care what he tweet about. Nah, I know, bro. Uh, but I'm glad you made that clear for everybody else. <laughs> what did you say, Jerry? But look, no, I was just going to say, no, Jacoby Brissett. Oh, Khalid Hudson. That's what it Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's also Jabril Cox, who was on that Cowboys practice squad with Dan Quinn and them. So who knows? They may want to bring him back. But, yeah, Jacoby Brissett is a guy I would definitely look at. I know people are automatically assuming that Sam Howell could be your quarterback, too. But I'm not sure I trust Sam Howell as a quarterback, too, if you're going quarterback high, simply because there's two really young quarterbacks in your room. 
I want a guy like Jacoby Brissett that you can lean on, that the rookie can lean on. I'm not sure how much he can lean on Sam Powell more so than Sam Powell's looking at him like I'm going to try to prove I'm better than him. You know, like he's he's my peer. He, I got I can't just go out like this. Whereas Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he was very helpful to Howell. I mean, in a sense, they say he's like another coach. I mean, I know he costs ten million dollars as a backup, but I love Jacoby Brissett as a backup option with a young quarterback coming in. So that's somebody I would definitely like to keep if we could keep him. And also, oh. just one more thing I was going to say, my free agent target, I would definitely go after Saquon Barkley at running back. Give him a two-year deal, man. I mean, yeah, that would be hard for me to say no to if he's a legit option for Washington. I was going to say one thing, bro. It's Jacoby uh, Brissett, man. I feel like – I don't feel like – I feel like Washington may try like the new regime, but I don't think he's going to waste time in Washington because I feel like he got screwed last year when – when when somebody told him there was going to be a co- quarterback competition, and right. somebody asked a media member asked him about this in the summertime, and he said, "Shit, I hope so." And it damn sure wasn't. Bro. <laughs> That's true. And That's let, true. Said let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: If they keep reset, does that automatically mean they got to trade how? Uh, don't mean uh, it. They can keep three QBs because because if you keep three QBs. Sam Howe's never getting an opportunity really in, in, in practice like that to, to necessarily grow. I mean, I feel like quarter, uh, backup quarterback has always been important in this league, but even more so than, than years in the past, as we've seen so many teams have to play their backup quarterbacks uh, this season. But my thing is I would love for them to – I feel like they have to have a veteran quarterback within that room, no matter – how many former quarterbacks that they have as coaches, they need a player of veteran presence. And Sam Howell hasn't reached that that level of his career yet. So if you keep a percent, does that not automatically force your hand to have to try to get some type of asset for Sam Howell instead of just keeping him as QB3? Oh, yeah. Definitely try. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to say, you can see what's out there. Like, if it's worth it. Um Cause I'm sure if if if, if Brissett does come back, then you're talking about he ain't staying long term. That's probably like another one year deal, or somebody like Brissett, probably looking like a one right. or two year deal. Somebody that's familiar with Cliff, um, that probably can be how it looks like. Um, okay. Uh, do we got any other missing pieces from the from this roster? Like it's crazy how like it's it's really this roster has they got a lot of work ahead of them. So I, I won't be surprised if like. Because I, I think the conversation that we had before the even before the season ended was like I don't even think I had fifteen that I would bring on to the next season, so I, I think I'm still in that same spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely in the same spot. Like when you, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball, like they legit have only the the two guys that they drafted returning as defensive ends, in Andre Jones and KJ Henry. Casey Tuil is a free agent. Jay Smith Williams a free agent. You traded Chase. You tra- uh, traded Montez. Uh, I want to say Obata is a free agent as well. You literally have no defensive ends at all. And we we also suspect that Jonathan Allen could be moved at D-tackle. Yeah, your D-line is weak as hell. On top of the fact your linebacking corp is weak as hell. Because um, even if you want to count Jamin Davis, he gets suspended two, three games. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. it, it'd be interesting to see what they do in free agency. That's why it's a benefit for Adam Peters and Dan Quinn to come in a situation where 
they could have upwards to 90 million if they make some additional cuts. If they don't make those additional cuts, they still have 70 plus million. But there's some there's some guys uh, on that D line that they could add that could make an impact immediately, whether it be a Daniil Hunter, Josh Uche. Um, I'm I'm suspecting that Brian Burns gets tagged in Carolina, but if they let him walk, I definitely could see him being the number one priority in free agency for Washington. Hey, Jaron, we're gonna leave McCoy in retirement, brother. But I know I know you meant well. Um, I mean, bring back McCoy when but, you got uh, McCoy 2.0 already on the roster. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, what it is, bro. But look, though, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Jerry, AJ, man, as always, bro, good shit. You know what I'm saying? Good conversation. Um, we may – I'm going to text y'all, like, when – if I do hear back for sure. We may have a guest. Now it's just this week. Guess we're gonna be back on Tuesday talking with somebody for show. So y'all take it easy, everybody. Y'all take it easy. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gonna pick it up. You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off? You gonna play through fourth and long or you gonna punt it off? Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive This is Trap or Dive Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.